0: Good morning everyone. Uh, I just want to thank uh, Pastor Brian for letting me be here uh, and, and Paula. Uh, it's, it really is a privilege to teach the word of God. Uh, as, as he said, I am a missionary to southern Asia um, and if you want to know which country we could talk afterwards, I would love to explain that. Now, uh, why, why go across the sea, right? Why not just stay here? I mean, there's a lot of need here. And I, I think you could argue the need gets greater and greater. I'm not sure if you've talked to somebody about the gospel recently, but what, what I believe you'll find is that less and less people understand the gospel. You know, they might know, okay, Jesus died, but they don't have any clue why. And I think people are getting less and less reached even here in South Jersey. But why why go to... Southern Asia. Wouldn't it make more sense for people in Southern Asia to reach Southern Asians? Yeah, for sure. No doubt. They, Your own like people can reach your own people much better. Uh, but the problem is 40% of the world is considered unreached. And by unreached doesn't mean that necessarily no one has ever been to their soil, but it means that about 40 percent of the world doesn't know one christian right and let's just say they all knew one christian it's not like every christian has told every single person they ever known about jesus so even if they all knew one christian we'd be at such a great deficit yeah. right there's a huge problem so yes people in southern asia it would be better for people there to reach their own people but there's just not enough christians there so it, the way i've heard it described is like you have a large log and you got Nine people on one end and one person on the other. So there's such a great need for people to go there. That's the reason. It's it's pretty simple. In a sense, it's logical. There's just not enough Christians to reach those areas of the world. And there's more Christians here. So that's why there's a need for people to be sent, right? And for sure, people have to be sent. Uh, But I think part of being sent is being willing to go. And so... I'll be with a a ministry called Live Dead uh, and and they focus on more unreached areas of the world. Uh, Now, in this country that I'm going to, you're allowed to be a Christian, but you're not allowed to be a missionary. Uh, So then you have, the way that Live Dead works is you are a part of a business uh, and you're there on a business visa. So then you're there in the eyes of the government to do whatever business you're a part of, right? But of course, the goal is to plant the church where the church isn't. Um, and I just want to encourage you, you know, uh, I think everybody should at least consider being a missionary. Amen. And it, it's tough because a lot of, a lot of people very quickly say, oh, no, I'm called here, which you might be. And praise God because, you know, South Jersey needs Jesus. Yes. But I think we, everybody needs to consider, because just logically, if you got nine person people on one end of the log and one person on the other, it would make sense to at least consider going to the other side of the log. And a lot of the times, the problem is we're just not willing to even consider it. So I, I just want to encourage you, you know, maybe God's calling you to be a, a go to the other side of the world, to the unreached, and plant the church where the church isn't. You know? But... uh, But either way, we're sent here. And so let us at least be sent here, right? Okay, so let's get into the Word. Uh, Today, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, you can listen. We're going to talk about uh, rebellion. That's a a big word, rebellion. We don't use it in everyday sentences too much. But we're going to talk about rebellion. Uh, so let me just pray. Lord, I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word, and I pray that we would submit to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's, there's two types of people. There's people who are super strict to the rules, right, got to do everything by the book, and there's people who don't like to do things by the book, right? Just, okay, the rules are kind of suggestions. You know, whatever aisle you fall on, I, I, I tend to fall on the, the rules or suggestions aisle. Uh, not very good because I, I, I work uh, in code enforcement as a health inspector, so I should be on the other aisle. But as far as the word of God, we shouldn't take the rules or suggestions style of approach of life. And I think a lot of times that's exactly what we do, right? We, we read the word and we don't take it seriously. Like I'll just give one example, right? So in James, it talks about, don't say you'll spend here a year and do, do business here a year. It's like, he says, he says, those people are arrogant because you don't know what your life is. You should say, if the Lord wills. And how often do we say, oh, I'll do this for a year and I'll do that for a year? Blatantly disobeying the word of God, right? That's a very small, like a small, I'm t- this is just a random example, right? We'll get into the bigger things as we go. But I just think as a church, we don't take the commands of God serious enough. You know, I think we've lost a little bit of the fear of the Lord. And I think that's a, one of the biggest problems in our, in our lives. So let's get into the word. let me give uh, a little bit of uh, background. We're talking about Saul, King Saul. Fourteen years before this, he uh, disobeyed the Lord uh, blatantly. Uh, So fourteen years prior to uh, chapter fifteen, there was a time when uh, he was not supposed to make a sacrifice. And it was going to happen in seven days, right? And he was waiting. He was waiting in this cave. And then on the seventh day, he couldn't wait any longer, right? And he, he sets up the sacrifice. And as soon as he does it, the prophet walks in. That, because that was when he was supposed to walk in. But he couldn't wait any longer. Uh, and then, so the Lord the Lord told him that you're not going to have a lineage anymore, right? But the Lord gives him another chance in chapter 15. So, verse 1. And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now listen to the word of the Lord. Now, I just want to stop there. He's going to tell him to, to slay the Amalekites, which is going to sound really intense. But, you know, one thing that's important for us to know, the Bible's pretty crazy, right? And I think a lot of times we hear the crazy things and we go, oh, it can't be saying that, right? Because God, can't, God isn't like us. And sometimes we have to read the Scripture at face value and just take it for what it says and not try to shape the Scripture to our view, but rather shape our view to what the Scripture says, right? Um, now, he's going to have them slay the Amalekites, all of the Amalekites. Now, there's a couple good reasons for this. Because previously, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they had all their people, and, and what what the Amalekites were doing is They were slaying their weak and their crippled and their old and their young. And they were just, when they were at their most vulnerable, the Amalekites were slaying the Israelites. And God wanted to use the Israelites to bring justice and destroy them, right? And later, Saul's not going to destroy the the Amalekites fully. And we'll find that Haman, right, with Esther, you, uh, you know the story of that with Esther and Mordecai. Haman was an Amalekite who was going to try to destroy all of the Jews. All because of Saul's disobedience. And we'll also find that Saul later will die at the hand of an Amalekite. So, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did, in Israel and opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction. All that they have, do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Okay, so one thing we could say about this command it's very clear, right? There's really no interpretation of this and i want to go through this story but we're going to hit some specific commands that we hear in scripture that sometimes we push off right because there's a lot of there's like, the world will say a lot of things even sometimes churches will say a lot of things but when you get into the word of god it it changes so so like let's say let's say you're a, a, a pastor, or, or you're a missionary, or you're doing something that you feel, okay, God has called you to do, right? But then you're living in sexual sin, right? You're, maybe you're looking at pornography, right? You can justify what you're doing. You're saying, wow, I'm doing all these things for the Lord, right? But then, what's the scripture say in, in Ephesians 5? Not even a hint of sexual immorality. That's a big word, a hint, not even a hint, right? And I think a lot of times we justify our lives uh, because we don't take seriously the commands of God. Like, we don't read the word and go, okay, how do I do this exactly what it says to the letter of the law to the T? And I think it's because, let's continue reading and then we'll... So verse 4. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them into lame, 200,000 men on foot, and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go depart down from the Am- uh, Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for you showed kindness to the people. All right, verse 8. We're going to skip verse 8. And he took Agag, Agag the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless he devoted to destruction. So it looks like Saul almost did everything that God called him to do pretty darn close, right? He left one dude alive and he left some sheep and he left some oxen. And do you ever feel like, oh, you're doing most of what God has told you to do. And I feel that most of us feel pretty good about that, right? We're doing most of what God, you know Saul over here was doing what the Lord told him to do He destroyed most of the Amalekites, you know, 14 years before. He was doing what the Lord said. He was hiding in caves, right? You know, you could be be a missionary and laying your life on the line, but you're not listening to every command of the Lord. You're living in rebellion, right? And and that's what Saul's going to, that's what uh, the prophet is going to say. So, verse 10, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king for he has turned back from following me and have not performed my commandments. Isn't that kind of harsh? Like you you mostly follow the Lord and then he just made one small error and he said, oh, he's not even following me anymore. It almost doesn't make sense because we have accepted this type of behavior, right? Because... You know, some someone could be, you know, laying their life on the line for Jesus, but they're living on forgiveness, and we go, oh well, it's just it's just my vice, right? Or or maybe like, well, I I forgive them, just I just don't feel it. It's like, well, what exactly? So, so at that point, we're redefining forgiveness, right? Do, do you like what if Jesus forgave us like that? Then that wouldn't really be forgiveness, would it? And you know, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you, right? Which is pretty deep and, and pretty, not only deep, but it's very simple. And somehow we can shift even the most simplest of commands, right? To, to just, well, forgiveness, you know, you don't really have to feel like you forgive them. You don't actually have to say that you forgive them. You just kind of, kind of forgive them. And then all of a sudden, forgiveness doesn't even mean forgiveness, right? Same thing with sexual morality, right? It's like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not living this way all the time. It's only sometime when I slip up, right? Or, or maybe God's calling you to share the gospel with your neighbor, right? And you've lived around your neighbor for 50 years, and you've never shared the gospel with him, right? Or you have a coworker that you've been working with for 15 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, God's calling you to share the gospel with them, and you haven't. Or maybe you know God wants everybody to read their Bibles and pray every day, and you just can't make it to get into your Bible. Right? And what, what I, so my natural stance generally is, let's say I, I, I do something that God doesn't right my natural stance is you know I'm a broken man who does broken things which is true but it's not the whole truth because what God's going to share here is no I'm a rebellious man who does rebellious things which is a significant difference is realizing that when we disobey the commands of God that we're in rebellion against God and, if, and he's going to say, that, and as we read it, he's going to say, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Which is, okay, first of all, I, I, like, I have a hard time believing that. Right? He, he's saying, like, well, if you're not following all of God's commands, you might as well be a witch. That's what he's saying. And now, it's hard, sometimes we read the words of God, and it's hard to even just accept at face value what he's saying. But so let's, let's read it, and let's read what it says. Right? Verse twelve. Uh, let's read verse eleven. Okay, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Sam, Samuel, Sam, Samuel was very angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed and went on to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So Samuel, sorry, Saul actually thought he followed the Lord. Right? Saul thought he was following the command of the Lord. That's so important, because we deceive ourselves in thinking we're following the Lord. Right? And Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites and the people. And the people. He's blaming the people, right? The best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. He didn't say the Lord my God, right? And the rest, we have devoted to destruction. He's saying, oh, but we want to do good things with them. Things don't weigh on a balance, right? You know, a, a lot of people think, oh, well, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. First of all, Your good deeds wouldn't outweigh your bad deeds. (laughs) I'll I'll speak for myself. My bad deeds outweigh my good deeds, right? Uh, And thank the grace of Jesus that it's only through his sacrifice. But he's saying, oh, no, but we're doing good things with the sheep and the oxen. We're going to make a sacrifice for the Lord, right? If if you tomorrow, let's say you're living in sin and you move to, to Iraq to be a missionary, that doesn't take away the sin that you're in. God takes sin so seriously, right? And, and I, I like how, how the prophet Samuel is going to do this, right? Then, so he, he, Saul's bragging. He's saying, I did exactly what the Lord did, right? And then Samuel says, verse 16, then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said, speak. He's like, stop with this boasting, right? Verse 17, and Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go devote to the destruction of the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why th- did you pounce on the spoil and do what is evil in the sight of the Lord? And, the Saul sa- and Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord has sent me. I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, the people again blaming. Sheep, oxen, and the best of the thing devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion as is the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. A really crucial point in, in Saul's life. Really sad. And we see him falling apart afterwards. right? Because even though God rejected him as king, he could have stayed with the Lord if he wanted to. But he didn't, right? So, so, there's this rebellion in Saul's heart. And so, let's just talk really quickly, briefly. What are some of the biggest things that God has called the church to, right? Well, having a relationship with him, right? Reading your word and praying, right? So, reading your word and praying. Purity, right? Let's uh, Put an emphasis on sexual purity, right? Because the scriptures talk a lot about that. Sharing the gospel, right? Going into the missions field, right? Loving one another. So, and they're, they're just to name a few of the big ones, right? If we were to make another list on what the church really struggles with and pretty much doesn't do, it'd be reading your Bible and praying, living in purity, sharing the gospel, going to the missions field, and loving one another, right? Pretty much... All the things that God tells us to do, for the most part, the church doesn't really do. I mean, like, we have to read the Bible honestly. And God doesn't take it lightly. Right? The the fact that we don't share the gospel with our coworkers, God doesn't take lightly. And that's not just a broken person doing broken things. That's a rebellious person being rebellious against God. Right? He doesn't take lightly. You know, sexual sin seems to have overtaken our culture. Right? Most, most, especially, So, I was involved in college ministry for many years, and I found that pretty much every guy and most girls deal with pornography. Right? That, that is the norm. Right? And God doesn't take it lightly. You know, God wants... Full obedience, deep obedience, right? Maybe God has called you to deep levels of prayer, right? And and you pray your 10 minutes a day, but maybe God's called you to an hour a day. And you know God's telling you, and it's clear to you. And you refuse to obey the word of God. It's so important for us, one, to read the scriptures and to take them for what it says, because a lot of times it's easy to look at culture, right, and, and come against it because, it's like, oh, wow, seems like culture can't even get truth right, right? They, they, can't, they, can't get, <laughs> they, they can't define anything, right? Because there's no defining anything, whether it be sexuality or gender uh, or, or anything, right? But you know what the problem is? The church just get so cowardly about the Word of God? Because it's so easy to pick out the big things in other people's lives. But what about the things that we know for sure God is calling us to do? And I think as a church, we've lost fear of the Lord. Did you know one day that you're going to have to stand before God isn't that, like, it's kind of crazy to think of that as, as an actual day, right? It's kind of this nebulous sometime in the future heaven, right? But, like, one day we have to stand before God and take account of our actions. That's wild, right? We should think about that often when we go about our lives. We should live a life that we want to stand before the Lord, right? Where we're, we want to obey the words of Scripture Rather than just, even if you do like read the scripture, read it, but then actually do what it says. Right? Because we could go to church for 50 years, 100,000 years and not do a word that it says. Because we know all the basic commands, but throughout life, just like Saul, we convince ourselves that we're doing it and we just don't think about it. Right? Where there was a time when Jesus came to earth, right? And you know the Palm Sunday story, right? He's riding in on a donkey, right? And everybody's like, oh, this is great. He's the Messiah. And Jesus, what's he do? He cries over the city, right? And he says, they didn't know the time of their visitation, right? What a, what a deep thing. They, they didn't realize that God was among them. And a lot of times, we as people who believe in the power of the holy spirit which is great we just ask for the holy spirit right we want the holy spirit to fall right but then when the lord is convicting us of something that we're doing this wrong we reject him that's the holy spirit and i believe sometimes just like Jesus cries like they missed the time of their visitation. I think sometimes we miss the time of our visitation because we're not willing to obey the voice of the Lord. Sometimes we're just like, Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. It's like, Well, maybe we should start listening to him because sometimes he's already here. Sometimes he's in the word of God. And sometimes we just need to be men and women of the word and doing what it says, taking it seriously. Right? You could read, Sermon on the Mount and every every section in that scripture is convicting. Right? He says, if you hate your brother in your heart, you might as well have murdered them, right? He says, when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. How how many times are you doing loving the poor, the sick, and the lame when nobody's looking and nobody knows about but your father in heaven? Right? He says, if you lust after someone in your heart, you committed adultery in your heart you just go through the list and every time it's just like it's like a knife to the heart because we're not serious about the word of god as a church here in america and it's time because it seems like you got two sides of the church right you got the side that's all bible no holy spirit and you got the side that's all holy spirit and no bible right and I'll I'll say the danger that I fall into is a nice, even balance, right? You know, not so crazy a charismania or not so crazy that I'm just staunch and dogmatic. But God doesn't want a balance either. He wants all Holy Spirit, right? He wants people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And He wants people to be dogmatic about every word in the Bible. Because you'll find that if you read the Bible, it's all about the Holy Spirit. And if you have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, you'll find that he's all about the Bible. He wrote it. it, It's so good. He wrote us a book. And a lot of times, you know, you'll see people that are so obsessed with hearing the voice of God, which we should be, but they'll be like, Lord, do I take a left or a right? Right? But then they're living in sin. It's like, don't you realize, don't you see, like people were like, oh, I just want to, I, I just want to know what college to go to, or where to work, or who to marry, but they're living in unforgiveness. It's like, just because you desire to know what God wants you to do, that doesn't make you righteous, but obeying the voice of God, right? You read, I'm, I'm, right now in my personal reading, I'm in a um, second chronicles so i I've, i'm reading a lot of the different kings and and i i i've found i've noticed that a lot of the evil kings still want to know what the lord wants for their lives and i go wow even evil people are curious to see what god says just because you're gear, curious whether god wants to make you uh, you to make a right or a left doesn't mean you're following the lord you're following the lord if you do what he says right now one thing I just want to make clear is God is a merciful God. And if we go to him sincerely in repentance, he'll forgive you no matter what you've done. One example I, I, I like to use often is uh, Manasseh, one of the worst kings in all the history of Israel. He, would, he had all these rows of idols, these groves of idols, I should say, and he would heat up these metal idols, and literally cook babies on them. Evil, 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 evil king. He gets captured. As soon as he gets captured, all of a sudden you want to repent, right? You know, convenient time to repent. And what's the Lord do? He forgives him. He says, yeah, because you've humbled yourself. Because you, you know, while he was in a cave probably, because you've humbled yourself, I forgive you, and I'll bring you back. It doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter how far you've gone but it's important to be honest with where we're at because i the trick that the danger is when we deceive ourselves thinking i'm following god but then you read the scripture and you're just not doing anything he says maybe maybe you're not even a follower of jesus and that is actually okay you know why because you can become a follower of jesus if you're sincere. I mean, growing up, I've grown up in the church and I, in most circles, I, I was a leader in, in most circles that I was in. And then I came to the point where I was starting to question my salvation. And I realized I had a fear of not being a Christian because of ego and the way people saw me. But let's say you aren't truly born again in God's family, but you think, but everybody thinks you are. How silly would it be to go stand before God, not be a Christian, having all of us fooled, but not having God fooled. It'd be the silliest, stupidest, worst mistake you can make in your life. Now one thing, let's say you are a Christian, but you're living in rebellion. Be careful because you can fall off the track. Even if you've been following God your whole life, no one is above falling totally off the rails like Saul. No one is above being on the path and then walking totally off, because sin is so deceptive and it's so enticing to the eyes. And that's why it doesn't matter what you've done yesterday for the Lord, but it matters what you're doing today. Paul the Apostle, one thing he says, and I, I think about it so often is, one thing I do is forgetting what's behind, straining for what's ahead. So no matter whether yesterday was a victory or a failure, that's a beautiful promise. Because even if you've done amazing yesterday, I would say, hold on, because today's a new day. And even if you've done awful yesterday, you made, let's say you made your biggest mistake yesterday, there's grace today. And there's a new beginning. And we get to please Jesus today. And I'm going to end with this. So we talked a lot about disobedience. But purity isn't just not disobeying the Lord. Right? Have you ever had a sixth grade science class where they talk about light and darkness? Right? And and darkness is the absence of light. Right? And light is the actual substance. Right? Darkness is just the absence of it purity isn't the absence of sin but it's actually the substance right do you get what i'm saying when i say that sin and darkness is the absence of god right but god is the substance right so the goal isn't just to get sin out of your life the goal you get sin out of your life so that then you can follow jesus right so then that you can have him and I've realized, when I was questioning my salvation, I realized, you know, I struggled with a lot of, uh, I struggled with a lot of sins of, uh, you know, lust and temptation in my life. And I, I came to a point where I realized, okay, do I want people to think that I love Jesus, or do I want to love Jesus? It would better be, it, let's say if I wasn't a Christian right now, it would be better to me to say, look, I'm not even a Christian and get right before the Lord while I'm speaking rather than to try to fool everybody. Because it's so much better to love Jesus than to have everybody fooled and saying that you love Jesus. Because Jesus is so awesome. He's so incredible and following him is amazing. And it's an honor to go to the other side of the world because I believe God has called me to do it. And the main reason why I'm going Is it for love for people? That's part of it. But the main reason is I love Jesus. And I want to obey what he told me to do. Right? And through that, then we love people. So I just want to encourage you. Take the commands of God seriously. It's a matter of life and death. And it's not just, you're not going to earn your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. But people who are truly changed by the Lord, take the commands of God seriously. And if you're a follower of God, you know that what we're reading here is serious. And I know it's Old Testament, and I think a lot of times we shy away from the Old Testament because it seems harsh, right? And we like the the God in the New Testament, right? But I got news for you. There's the same God, the same exact person. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, right? But when we see Jesus, that's the same God of the Old Testament, right? But that God of mercy is still the God of the Old Testament. That God of wrath, I know that's a dangerous word, God of the New Testament too. So one thing I, I want to call us to is just, um, as we do worship, I want you to be thinking about these things and thinking about the things that God is speaking to you in your life, that even if it's a little thing that you need to repent of. And one thing, a lot of times when people say repentance, they they. they say that word, but then they switch to definition. They'll go, how do you repent? Well, you tell Jesus you're sorry, right? Well, okay, that's confession. Right? We we use a word and then change the definition. Repentance is when you change your mind and you stop doing what you're doing. Right? For Saul to repent, he had to do what God commanded him. But he said he was sorry. God doesn't want us to just say we're sorry, but he wants us to do what he says. And so, and one practical advice, if you're struggling with something and you know that God's calling you to change, I would would recommend that you tell somebody. One thing, accountability has changed my life dramatically. Like, it's, it's hard to put in words how much accountability. And I think I non-christians what they do is they tell everybody the good things that they're doing and they hide the bad Where christians should be the opposite we should tell somebody the worst things we've done and then just like it says in matthew 6 our charitable deeds our left hand shouldn't know what our right hand should do we should be doing things for other people that nobody knows anything about good things so we we should be secretly good but openly bad As Christians, right? In humility, living for one person, Jesus, right? Can you imagine if, can you imagine if even just all of us decided, you know what? We are going to, when nobody's looking, please Jesus. When we're in our room by ourselves, please Jesus. When we're out on the street at work, pleasing Jesus, right? And then we're confessing our sins. When we slip up. Can you imagine if just us did that? It would change our community. It would change our lives. It would be so pleasing to the Lord. Um, so uh, I'm going to close in prayer. We could have uh, the worship team. Uh, not yet. Not, not yet. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I got jokes, you know. <laughs> um, but i want to close in prayer. But as we're doing I, I really, really want you to take God's word seriously. As seriously as he takes, and not just think I'm a broken man who does broken things, I'm a rebellious man who does rebellious things. And in rebellion against God when I disobey his commands. And you'll find one thing is that's awesome about God is that not only can we displease him, but we can please him. Isn't that crazy to be able to please the God of the universe? That we could do something with a pure heart, and he is so pleased. He's so pleased with our efforts. Our efforts don't save us, but he's pleased with them. And if we love him, we should try to please him with our whole hearts, not just try to do it for other people when people are looking. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us. I pray, Lord, that not only would you pour out your Holy Spirit, but we would respond to your Holy Spirit by saying, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you say Lord, I'll give up my life, give up my sin. Lord, just Lord, I pray that you bring deep repentance in the church. God, deep conviction in the church. God, that your church would turn back to you. Lord, in full surrender. Fill us, Lord. We'll return to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Give God some praise in the house, can you? Amen. Thank you. One more thing. Why don't you, before you come up, um, I'm going to have him come up one more moment, but I want to give you a, um, just a real challenge is to do something with that message. That message was spot on about how we take in our life sin and just kind of condone it, or our attitude, how we treat other people. My associate pastor and I want you <laughs> want you to really recognize the importance of, Of really putting jesus you know we so often can be unkind to people we so often can do certain things and think it's okay and say well you know what lord that's just the way i am god wants to change us god wants to change us it's so important on how we do things and so thank you so much for a a real good strong message that is so needed today because sometimes we just are so so days. we take the grace of God so lightly. But can I say this, can I say this? It's always the heart. You know, before this, Samuel, you know, chose to sacrifice as a priest. I mean, he had many failures, naked a statue. He had a wrong heart. That was the difference between David and Saul. Saul didn't have a repentant heart, but David did. When David was sinful, he said, God, I'm the problem. It's me. It's not other people. It's me. Saul, on the hand, just couldn't say, he couldn't help. Hum- he always blamed everybody else for the issues. And I think that's where it's the heart. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you before we, we do anything because I, I just really thoroughly know that living dead, live dead is a great ministry for you to be in. And brother, you're all in. And I love to see people all in for Jesus Christ. That's the way we all should be all in. Willing to inconvenience ourselves. Willing to do whatever God wants us to do. So thank you. And we're going to continue to keep you in prayer. And God's people said. So let's take a moment here. And I just want you to close your eyes. Could you just close your eyes for a moment. I want you to, as the Bible says, to examine ourselves. Deep deep in our heart. Examine yourself. And ask yourself this one question. You know, first of all. Is Jesus Christ my Savior? If I died right now, is heaven your home? It's not about how much you know of Jesus. Don't watch it online. It's not about how much you know about Jesus. When we come to Jesus, we're like this baby. This baby is innocent but yet still guilty and needs Jesus Christ as Savior. As much, I love this little rascal. He needs Jesus one day. You need Jesus one day. And this is the time to make sure that your heart is right with God. And you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I accept your free gift at Calvary. I need to turn from my ways and follow you all the days of my life. And when we do that, when we do that, God will come right in. Now, I want you to keep your eyes closed. And maybe there's a particular sin in your life. Maybe there's a particular struggle in your life. Today, we live in a world today that the world calls everything wrong right. And we go right along with it. But the honestly, you have to be honest with God if you want God to do something in your heart. What is it that you're compromising? What is it that's there that God is speaking to you to really clean it up? Because he wants to help you to become everything you want and all I want you to do, all I want you to do, if God spoke something to your heart right now, if God spoke something to your heart, we're not going to have you get out of your seat. We're not having to you do it. I just want you to acknowledge before the Lord, raise your hand about something in your life that God needs to deal with. Yes, yes, go ahead. Yes, yes, good, good. Be honest with God and do something about it. Repent and say, God, forgive me and help me. Father, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would do a work, Father, in each heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can you give God some praise in the house of the Lord? My little buddy, he's getting heavier. This is my associate pastor. This is my associate pastor, and we're on grandparent patrol for the last few days here. And uh, we have so enjoyed it since all my guys are out of state. So it's nice to have one in state. We're hoping for David to get busy, um, but that being that being said, um, we're going to go into worship. And before we go into worship, I want to just share with each one of you that get into your scriptures if you really want to know God. Get connected to the things of God in His church, because see, when you first come to God, you're like this baby. You got to learn. You got to grow. One time you were so dependent on your parents to give you the bottle. He'll be reminding me shortly he's going to want a bottle because he's dependent on being fed. And when you're a baby, you have to depend on God and strengthen you. He, will, he, he works in great ways. He's a great God. He wants to meet you where you are. Can you say amen? So let's take a moment. Close your eyes. And ask God to take you deeper this week for the rest of your life. Take you deeper into his word, deeper into his ways, deeper into his relationship with you. That you're not going to worry about things. You're going to trust God. You're going to stop participating. Put your hands on the plow and let God do a work in you and through you. Father, I ask right now that, Lord, you would help each one here to grow in you to hunger you, to put their hands to the plow, to say, what can I do for you? Not what you can do for me, Lord, but Lord, what can I do for you? And how can I be all in and just given to you? All Father, I just ask right now, will you speak? Will you touch these areas that the hands went up? Lord, we pray right now they would be intentional about saying, God, I'm going to be the best you've called me to be. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to really trust you. I'm going to really desire your will, your ways, so I may do your works and everything I say and everything I do. We'll give a big, God, a big amen in Jesus' name one more time. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.